I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Jason Munns is the Tiger Basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. Joins us each and every Monday on the program. He is on Twitter at Munsley. Munns, what are we listening to? Heartbreaker Jeffrey off of Led Zeppelin's fantastic second album, and there's a reason. And what is that reason? Well, I wrote a story there. I don't know if you saw it. It's uh, up at commercialappeal.com. I think it's also in the print version today uh, on uh, Memphis Tiger assistant coach Andy Borman, whose grandfather. Munz is back. He nerded out on me on this at the office last week. Go ahead, Munz. Oh, come on. Like, so wait, there's uh, more I, connections than just he's who, Coach K. He's more than yes. Coach K's nephew. And th- and I, to, by marriage, right? Yes, by marriage. Yes. And to Munz's there's no credit. Blood. There's no brotherhood blood. This connection Munz is about to, to explain to you, he was far more excited about than his connection to Coach K, Andy Borman. I mean, honestly, like, I don't know anybody who wouldn't be. like, And, and this relation uh, – so, anyway, on the cover of Led Zeppelin two. Uh, is a group of people. It's like a photo on the album cover, and it's like uh, uh, these people, and some of them are the band members, and some of them are other people. One of them is none other than Frank Borman, who happens to be Andy Borman's grandfather. And and the uh, since 2016, the oldest living astronaut mm. on Earth. And, yes, he was the commander, the commander. Not a Washington Apollo commander, but the commander. The commander of Apollo 8, which was the very first manned spacecraft to reach the moon. The more you know. That is Andy Borman's grandfather, and he is on the cover of Led Zeppelin 2. Who's more accomplished, him or Andy Borman's uncle by marriage? Well, uh, who served his country better? He was in the Air Force. Andy Borman's grandfather was in the Air Force. You know, know Coach Kane was military too, right? I, I I do know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Borman's father also uh, went to West Point where he played football. Um, so anyway, but no, uh, Frank Borman was not only uh, the commander of Apollo 8, he also was part of the crew of Gemini 7 and was the president and uh, chairman of the board of Eastern Airlines, which is obviously... Uh, no longer now defunct uh, Eastern Airlines. Oh, yeah, I was now defunct. I was watching The Departed on TV this weekend, and they there was a scene at Logan with mm-hmm. Northwest Airlines, and it made me remember yeah. back when we had 280 flights a day, and I could go anywhere I wanted. <laughs> hey, to. we just added a direct flight to Boston again. Uh, and I went to Austin too on, <laughs> on a puddle jumper. Um, well, go check that out over at commercialpeel.com. Munn's got Coach K's thoughts 
on Andy Borman. Also, he, he had some nice things to say about Penny, I thought, uh, Coach K. He did. On the record. Yeah, he did. Called him a good coach and a good man. Good coach and a good yeah. man, right, I believe. Yeah, um, anything did. specific, Mike, or just going to go generic platitudes? Now, you say that, mm. but – you say that, but uh, also unprompted in the in the interview that I had with him, he talked about uh, watching the second half of the Stanford game. <laughs> the one game uh, he watched the, all year? Uh, the one half. Yes. Uh, he said specifically he only got time to watch the second half, but he said he was He's very a very impressed. busy man these days. I don't know if you've seen He's got a dog now. <laughs> <laughs> right. He said he was He's got very a dog. Impressed. Let him compliment Penny. Very By impressed. using generic nothing? All right. <laughs> I'm months, done. Months. I'm sorry. Um, all right, let's let's get to the important stuff. You were you were there at FedEx Forum Saturday. Tigers had to come from behind again against one Amazing. of against one of the worst teams uh, in, or at least the teams predicted to be one of the worst teams in the AAC this year. Uh, they do come back and win the game with a, a uh, strong second half. Dominant. Um, but afterwards, I thought the the most notable statement made was Penny when he was asked if he was convinced, you know, okay, that was, you know, that was the moment they got over the hump, that second half, he's confident they're back now. He said, no, I'm not confident they're back now. <laughs> we still got some stuff to figure out. Um, where are you on the scale, you know, uh, uh, on your, I guess, panic button scale, 10 being your – Hitting that thing over and over again, one being, you know, what panic button? Uh, like a six, seven, something like that. Six and a half, seven. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that, that Penny is like saying what he's saying for no reason. Um, oh, I think, I think that was very like, intentional. Very intentional yeah. what he said. Yeah, but I don't think it's, I also don't think it's like he's just trying to get a point across. Like, I don't think he's like, you know, using the the you know his, the media to get to get a message to his team. I I, I do think that there is you know uh, some some genuine concern there on his part, but I also think that it might be a little bit. It's I mean, like I don't know about you guys, but the first time so far this season, I've only seen once uh, where something where body language. It has made me like kind of like raise my eyebrows, and it was it was in that first half against East Carolina. Um, so like it is concerning. It is it is I think not where Penny wants to be. I think he's very clearly not comfortable with what he's getting from uh, from his team from certain parts of his team. Um, I mean, he even kind of like laid it out there. He was like, I, I we sat down during a timeout. And the five guys that were sitting across from me, they were all looking in different directions and none of them were looking at me. Um, so, like, I do think that, you know, there are some issues that need to be ironed out, but I don't think that it's anywhere close to the, to the, to the level of uh, uh, discord that this program under, like, was, was in the midst of less than a year ago. So, yeah, like, if, 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 smacking that panic button repeatedly, you know, like that was last year. I don't think we've gotten to that point this year yet. So here's, here's the dilemma that I struggle with. I think 12 and four. Yeah. Well, I mean like all, all, everything that we've just laid off, like also there's a nitpicking element where it's like, but you also like, 
To me, it's like you can kind of, right now it feels like the Tiger basketball team. I feel like I'm watching a team, an Andy Kennedy team, like a typical Andy Kennedy team at Ole Miss where, like, you could see whatever you wanted to see. It was like a Rorschach test. If you wanted to be positive, there were always going to be examples to be positive about it. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to have criticism, there was going to be reasons for criticism. So I, I do want to note that, like, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm trying to actually watch. So this is the question that I have. How much of the rebounding inside strength, maybe, issues Mm -hmm. is the result of no Malco? Because on the one hand, I think that's a perfectly reasonable explanation of, like, they probably haven't been playing as good of defense since Malco's been hurt. On the other hand, I'm also left going, is Malcolm Dandridge really the solution to all the issues? Because yeah, on the other he, hand, he's averaging six point two points, four rebounds per game. Right, but at this, do you see what I'm saying? Like that's kind of where I'm struggling. Like, how much of this issue do you think is it a lack of an inside presence? And I guess maybe the reason why Malcolm becomes the the focal point is because Ko is just not there, and, and it seems like he looked decent in the second half the other day. I don't, Jason. Do you think you can consistently depend on him? No, no, not yet. Uh, I think Penny's I mean, going like, to have to tr- trust him a little more, though, because uh, well, that may be that actually might be fair. I think I think he's so, going to have to ride him a little bit more. Crazy. All right, so check this out. Like we're talking about Ko, and this kind of veers away from your initial uh, question, That's Jeffrey. Fine. So I apologize uh, in advance of that, but but we're, we brought up Ko, so like we can all agree that Memphis's front court. Two top two front court options are um, like they foul a lot. They 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 have foul. They get into foul trouble a lot. Uh, DeAndre Williams has forty nine personal fouls this season. Chandler Lawson has thirty nine by far. And and I think it's team. also important to note while they foul a lot, they're also undersized. And maybe those are related to a certain degree. Well, so here's the argument against that. Uh, you know who's got more? You know who whose foul rate is higher than both of them? Ko. Ko. Yeah. Ko fouls once. He commits one foul every seven minutes that he's been on the floor so far this season. Like DeAndre is like one every nine and a half, ten, something like that. I don't have it in front of me. I looked it up a while ago. But uh, and and Chandler is is uh, I think is somewhere in that neighborhood as well, eight and a half, nine. Uh, one foul every eight and a half, nine minutes. KO is like, like I said, one every seven and a half ish. So like, I, I, so getting back to the original point here about Malcolm Dandridge, I do think that him not being uh, available uh, has hurt this team. And, and, and the reason I say that is because you can't just look at stats in a vacuum. Like, yeah, he's only averaging what six and a half points a game and four rebounds a game, but mm-hmm. his presence and it's not just him, it's everybody. Like there are, there are intangibles that, you know, that, that, that players like him can alter shots, even if they don't block them, they, you know, that they can help other guys get rebounds, even if they don't get the rebound. Yeah. And so, it course corrects I, the rotation a little bit. You don't have to play Chandler Lawson as much. You don't at the right. five, especially. You don't have to play Elijah McCadden as much at the four. It like kind of course corrects the rotation if he's back. Yeah. Now, do, if he comes back, do I think it's all, it's all going to be solved? No. Um, I mean, even if he came back at 100, percent which I'm not sure he's ever he's going to be 100 percent the rest of the year. 
um, if and when he even does come back, which it sounds like he is. Penny says it'll be sometime in the next one to two weeks. Um, we'll see. You know, he said in the very beginning uh, that it would be a week or two, and that was, you know, a while ago. We've we've gone past that now. So, um, so yeah, no, like I just think that uh, the bottom line here is that this team struggles to shoot the three ball, and they don't rebound the ball very well. Um, so until they get one, I don't think they need to get both of them fixed. Um, if they can get one of the two of those fixed, you know, consistently, then I think they're, they, they, they can get the ship, you know, the train back on the track. Um, you know, and, and, but the hard part here, the, the, in my opinion, the tough pill to swallow is that I think given the way things are going right now, the, uh, it's more likely to me that they'll get the three-point shooting fixed before they would ever get the rebounding problem solved. And I'm not sure they can get the three-point shooting, you know, problem uh, solved. See, I just, I just don't I, – I fundamentally, like, push back on, like, the three-point shooting, like – that was a, that's been a weakness all year long. Like they were winning yeah. despite being a bad three point shooting team. I just kind of view that it off to the side. Like they're not going to be a good three point yeah, shooting team this year. I think year. that's kind of the problem that I have is like people think like all of a sudden like they're going to turn it around. It's like no, Penny, Penny even did the spin zone of they're not great shooters. They're great scorers. Yeah. It's like okay, so this team can't shoot. Like we we mm-hmm. should have been prepared for that. I think the the issue that I struggle with like so with in Mark's column today. He points out if they just get someone other than Kendrick and DeAndre to score nine points or more, mm-hmm. they're fine. They're they're like, like eleven, 11 and one this season. And I assume the game they lost was the, the Seton Saint Hall Louis, game. Seton Hall. Okay. You know, it was the fluky. Yeah. Right. The the banked in three pointer mm-hmm. off the top of the the square, which I still contend I've never seen one ever again. I think the problem though that that I have is Mun's like to me like that's a no duh type thing because yeah. DeAndre and Kendrick are are good known quantities. We know that they're good players. The rest of these guys. Excuse me, by the way, it was the St. Louis game, not okay. The, so uh, I, my guess was not right. the Seton Hall game. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So St. Louis game. The the issue that I see is I also point out if they hold teams to under 75 points per game, they're also 11 and one this season. I I think it's kind of a bigger picture issue. Okay, we're asking a bunch of guys that were. Good, not great mid-major players that have now stepped up in class, and guess what? They have some nights where they look okay, and they have nights where they don't. Like to me, like this is kind of a, a bigger issue. And see, I look at it as very doable. Like you just have one of those seven other guys. Okay, I guess here's the real question, though. Let's say you decide to make one of the guys your third scoring option. If you and don't like, need I, the like my, point I'm making. Is hang it doesn't on, have to hang be on, one guy. Hang on, hang on. So my point is. In your premise, it's like if you get nine points or more from somebody else, they're good. My question, though, is if you start creating a pecking order and go, it's Kendrick one, it's DeAndre two, this guy three, Mm -hmm. and he's getting more shots than everybody, I don't know if the nine-point threshold matters is what I'm saying. Like, I think it becomes happenstance because in your scenario, if just someone ends up having a good game, an -hmm. additional good game, that's fine. My point is if you make somebody the third scoring option – and you give him the third most shots, I'm not sure if the nine-point threshold matters. Well, I don't think there's a clear third option. Like, if you were to, like, right now, who's the third best player on this team? It's Alex Lomax right now. 
Um, That's what I was going to ask, actually, in response to your question, Jeffrey. Is, does it, and, and, and it's kind of geared more toward Mark or whoever, but like, does it have to be nine points or can it be like six points and seven steals? Because I'm of the opinion that like, you don't have to score points to yeah. you know, impact the final score. I think seven steals, you know, equals what, probably four or five points on the uh Especially the other game the other game I mean, against ECU, I mean Lomax's steal it felt like three or four of his steals led directly to fast break layups. Yeah, yeah. And even if they aren't, you know, necessarily fast break layups, again, I do think that like stealing possessions away from the other team, you know, it shows up. And it, and, it, and it doesn't necessarily show up in the points column, but like, you know, I, I think, I don't think that it necessarily has to be like a certain point threshold, but you do have to have somebody, whether it's Alex Lomax, whether it's Elijah McCadden, whoever, Chandler Lawson, who steps up and contributes, you know, uh, uh, like in a meaningful way. Like they are very clearly, uh, uh, they have a better game than everyone else other than Kendrick and DeAndre. And, yeah, um, I, I yeah. just look at it like I, I still feel pretty good about this team because I, I look at it as they have a formula that works. They just have to get back to it on a consist, more consistent basis. And it's yeah. a third player supporting Kendrick and DeAndre offensively. And it doesn't have to be the same guy every game. And it's playing defense where you can, you know, you can con- con- consistently hold an opponent to around 70 points. And if you look at the AAC – there is one top 50 offense in terms of efficiency in the league. It's Houston. There, Aside from Me- Memphis is the second most efficient offense in the league. And aside from them, um, there's only two other teams within the top 130 in offensive efficiency. Excuse me, three other teams. Tulane, UCF, and Cincinnati. Like Then there's eight teams that are 130 and below. Um, or excuse me, seven teams that are 130 and below. Um not a great offense. Like I just don't think it is that uh, hard to do what this team needs to do and what it's shown it can do to win a bunch of games in the AAC. Now, you know yeah. it'll be harder against UCF on Wednesday. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that you know UCF looks like a team that could challenge Memphis as the second best team in the league potentially. Um, Very good defensively, UCF. Very good. Yes. Um, yeah. Then they have some nice wins. No. Now, I wanted to ask you real quick before we let you go about Kendrick Davis. He's now below 40% shooting from the field for the season, and I thought that first half against ECU, he was particularly bad. And then he mm-hmm. played pretty well in the second half. Um, yeah. His his ability to get to the free throw line has kind of masked the fact that he is literally having a career-worst shooting season. What do you make of where he's at right now because it doesn't seem like much like the team doesn't have the rhythm it did, you know, during that Auburn, Alabama, A&M stretch feels like he's out of rhythm too. And I think that's maybe reflected a little bit in what the teams look like. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, it's not the first time this season that he's gone through a little mini slump. Um, You know, there have been a few games that I can remember. I mean, I don't remember exactly what specific game it was, but there was a stretch where he, I want to say it was around the time that, Lomax got his like he sort of got over his slump and started started scoring more and it looked it felt like it it was around that time that Kendrick was kind of it was like that Nebraska game the Stanford game again I don't remember exactly what it was but you know he was he was struggling and then he worked himself out of it 
So uh, I kind of get the sense that he may be going through a little bit of a. I mean, he has shot below forty percent from the field in four of his last five games. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, he's he's uh, he's being asked to do a lot, and um, you know, I'm sure that's tough. But I, I, he is not someone I worry about. Much like I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not worried about this team until further notice. Uh, you know, like I think I think it's it's you know right there for them. Whatever they whatever they want, it's right there for them. Um, you know, like I'm gonna get. I, I got some. Uh, some flack for uh, for for sort of downplaying the two lane loss, but I'm going to continue to downplay it. Memphis has never played well in that in that building. Uh, Tulane is like top twenty in the country in scoring offense, something like that. I know. Um, by the way, they're on a they've now won three in a row. They're undefeated, or they're three and one in conference now. They're going to finish in the top four the, or five in the league. They're also all the way up to one eleven in the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they've they've risen what like forty fifty spots since they beat, uh, or I don't remember, like 30, 30 spots. I think they yeah. they've risen since they beat Memphis or, or more thirty five. So uh, I mean, like if if they had not lost that game, would we even be having these conversations? Maybe, but it wouldn't feel quite as uh, it wouldn't feel quite as like tenuous or yeah yeah shaky. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. UCF, good team. That's gonna be a tough game to win. Like you're gonna have to play well. They're gonna you're gonna have to play like you did against Auburn and you know Auburn to beat yes. that UCF team on the road. I think. Yes, I think UCF is gonna be the best defense that Memphis has seen so far this season. The next best that they've seen is Auburn, and uh, they they put up 82 on Auburn on a neutral floor. So uh, we'll see. It's it it is gonna be tough though. Taylor Hendricks is gonna push to Rossi Walker for uh, freshman of the year in this in this conference. All right, Muns. You'll be down there in Orlando. Looking forward to your coverage. Thanks for joining us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.